You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. If you're honoring the Lord with the first fruits and you're living by a good budget and yet you're still struggling, it could be that you're just in a time where God is testing you. And what you need to do is continue to make him the priority, continue to give the first fruits of all your increase. And again, watch him take care of you because he certainly will. Honor the Lord with your money. As you listen to today's message from Pastor Danny, he encourages you to see that all blessings come from the hand of God. Honor God with the first fruits of all of your income. Develop a healthy budget. Pastor Danny explains that if you're doing these things and somehow you're still having difficulty, it could be that God is testing you. Remain faithful in your tithes and offerings to the Lord. Keep Him as priority and He'll take care of you. The Lord is your provider. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 24 as he begins his message, God's Law of Leftovers. Deuteronomy chapter 24 is where we're going to stop, and uh, we're going through the Old Testament and just pulling out some highlights, and so the highlight tonight is the last part of chapter 24 of Deuteronomy, and it's not a lot of verses, but it certainly is practical, very practical. Jesus said that on two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Love the Lord your God, all your heart, mind, soul, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And uh, this is one of those sections that certainly has to do with that. Verse 19 of chapter 24, when you're harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat the olives from your trees, do not go over the branches a second time. Leave what remains for the foreigner, fatherless, and the widow. When you harvest the grapes in your vineyard, do not go over the vines again. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. That is why I command you to do this. Now, of course, we're not under the law, but the principles and the things we find in the law, like I've said, Jesus mentioned, love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as yourself. And on those two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. I call this God's law of leftovers. God's law of leftovers. And we have to, again, remember that to apply this in our culture, they were farmers, all right? This is their paycheck, the crops. This is their livelihood. And so you translate that into our culture and it would be our paycheck. 
what we get, we earn wages from our work, and we use that uh, to live, and this is the leftover after you've paid all the bills. Now, hang on to that just a second. Deuteronomy chapter 10, let me just read two verses there about the Lord. It says, he defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the alien, giving him food and clothing. And you are to love those who are aliens, for you yourselves were aliens in Egypt. Now, some might be thinking, well, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't have any leftover. Some might be even, even thinking, well, I, I can't even pay the bills right now. And, and if, that's you, if that's you, a couple of questions I would ask. One is, are you honoring the Lord with the first fruits of every paycheck? Proverbs 3, verse 9, honor the Lord with the first fruits of all your, one translation says crops, another, your increase. And again, crops, Israelites would have understood that as their paycheck. Because if you're not honoring the Lord, you're not giving him an opportunity to bless you financially the way he wants to. That's just the bottom line. I believe the first fruits to the Lord is the tithe. And I've said it, I told you I don't have anything new to say tonight, but maybe we need to hear some of this again. I think tithing is biblical. I don't think it's Old Testament or New Testament. I think it's biblical. You find it first before the law, Genesis 14, where Abraham gives a tithe to Melchizedek, and Melchizedek is Christ in the Old Testament. You find it again, Genesis 28, with Jacob saying, God, if you'll be my God and you'll take care of me, I'll give you a tenth of all I get. So that's before the law. And you find it reiterated in Hebrews chapter seven, again, using Melchizedek as the one that we are honoring and giving to. Now, leave Deuteronomy just a minute. And if you can find that little book, Haggai, it's right near the end of the Old Testament. Haggai, just before Zechariah, you'll find it before me. It's my new Bible. You know, when you get a new one, it's really, you know, they just, the pages just aren't the same. Haggai chapter one, verse two, this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. And then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is there time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Now, notice this next verse. You've planted much, but harvested little. Again, in their culture, that's their livelihood. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. What God's saying through the prophet Haggai is their priorities were wrong. They were taking care of their own house taking care of them themselves, but they weren't honoring the Lord with their wealth the way they should. And what he says there so practically is, I've withheld my blessing. He was using that as a disciplinary means so that hopefully now they'll get it. They need to put God as the priority. And if they would, he wanted to bless them and bless them financially. So it could be, if you don't have leftover, it could be, that you're not honoring the Lord with the first fruits. And if you'll do that and begin to do it with every increase, every paycheck, I'm telling you what, you, you will see God do sometimes even miraculous things where it doesn't make sense on paper for you to give a tenth. You say, wait a minute, I can't even pay the bills. But you, you step out by faith 
and you honor the Lord with the tithe and you watch what he will do. I love the testimonies. I love the testimonies over the years of people that have tested God in the biblical way. He says in Malachi, test me in this. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Bring all of it in and see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out on you a blessing. You won't be able to hold it all. And you say, that's Old Testament. Hang on. We'll look at it in a minute in the New Testament. So my first question would be, you know, if you, if you don't have leftovers, are you honoring the Lord with the first fruits, with the tithe? Second, very practically, and I'm not going to get involved in this, but do you have a budget? Do you live by a budget? And if you don't have a budget, you need to sit down. If you're married, you sit down with your spouse and you guys come up with a budget. I think everybody needs to live by a budget, you know? And you need to do that. Figure out what you need to live on. And then once you get what you need to live on, then, then you have to look, are there some unnecessary things? And I'm talking especially for people that, that aren't making ends meet. You're struggling. You're struggling. Honor the Lord with the first fruits, first step. And then sit down. If you're not living by a budget, get a budget. And then get your necessary things to live. And then look what else you're paying because there may be some things you need to cut out, okay? Now, last but not least on this particular point, if you're honoring the Lord with the first fruits and you're living by a good budget and yet you're still struggling, it could be that you're just in a time where God is testing you. And what you need to do is continue to make him the priority, continue to give the first fruits of all your increase and again, watch him take care of you because he certainly will. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, take a quick look at that. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 10. Many times as I've looked at these two verses, they're just tremendous. Chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians and verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way. This is not prosperity gospel. This is just the scriptures. You'll be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So please note that the person that's honoring God in this way and giving, and when God gives back, it's so that we can be generous, so that we can be generous. That's the idea. Now, Back to the text, just to mention, this law, God's law of leftovers, it's also great if we'll do it in guarding us against greed. And we're all naturally greedy. It is what it is. Sin is selfishness. And a lot of people have been taken down by greed and love for money. It was Balaam's problem. He loved the wages of wickedness. When Israel came into the promised land, first stop is Jericho. God specifically told them, and I'll just read that Joshua chapter six and verse 18, he says, when you go into Jericho, keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you'll make the camp of Israel, Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. Verse 19, all the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. That was God's clear directive for the Israelites. 
But chapter 7 opens up this way, but the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. A guy named Achan saw some things, took them, uh, hid them in his tent. He did it, obviously, with his family's full knowledge, so they were kind of in on it with him. The next stop is Ai. They get their tails kicked in Ai. Israelites die. Joshua's down on the ground. He's praying. He's like, what, what, what is going on? God says, not time to pray. Get up. There's sin in the camp. And Joshua goes and calls out to the people of Israel, and nobody confesses. And it goes from all Israel, then the tribe that Achan's a part of, then the clan, and it goes down, down, down. And finally, finally, Joshua says to Achan, give glory to God. In other words, come clean, boy. God knows. And he was the one that had sinned. He confesses it, but now <laughs> it's a little too late. They ended up, his whole family, being destroyed. Now, what's so interesting about that story is God says once they get the victory at Ai, because they do, he says in chapter 8, verse 2, you shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king, except that you may carry off their plunder and livestock for yourselves. There again, you see the same principle. Honor God with the first fruits. First stop in the promised land is Jericho. God says, no, no, don't take anything from Jericho. It goes into my treasury, my treasury. First fruits go to the Lord. But then the second stop is Ai, and God says, have at it. Honor him with the first fruits. He wants to bless us. That's what he wants to do. Not only was Achan taken down, Balaam taken down by greed. One of the greatest servants, or one of the servants of the greatest, one of the greatest um, Old Testament prophets, Gehazi, who served under Elisha. Remember the story, Naaman the Syrian gets healed of his leprosy, and uh, Naaman is thinking he's going to have to pay something, you know, for his healing, for the services of the prophet, but Elisha refuses to take anything. And when Naaman starts to go back home, Gehazi chases him down, catches up with him, lies through his teeth, says, as soon as you left, some, some students from the school of the prophets showed up. And you know, they're just college students. So they, uh, they're needy. Could you spare some things for them? And of course, Naaman, Naaman, not knowing the guy's lying, says, sure. And he gives him some things and Gehazi goes back, hides him, puts him in his tent, and then he goes back to serve Elisha, and God gives Elisha a word of knowledge about what he's done. He said, where'd you go? And he lies again. And then Elisha says, may the leprosy that was on Naaman the Syrian now be on you. And God struck him with leprosy. In a couple of weeks, we'll get to uh, Acts chapter 5 and one of the saddest stories in the early church, Ananias and Sapphira. And they sell a piece of property as they're led by the Lord to do so. And others are being led by the Lord to do so. And they're bringing the monies and putting it at the feet of the, the apostles. In other words, they're giving it to the leadership of the church. And uh, they're distributing it to anyone as he had need. And for a period of time in that early church, there were no needy persons among them. Let me read the verses just before the story of Ananias and Sapphira. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. They shared everything they had. 
With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone as he had need. It mentions Joseph, who was also called Barnabas, son of encouragement, became a partner with the apostle Paul. He sold a field he owned, brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. And in that context, in such a great time in the early church, I mean, imagine being a part of that church. And yet the very next verses are two members of that church, Ananias and Sapphira, allowing greed to grip them. And it cost them their very lives. Jesus said about the Pharisees, they loved money and they were full of greed and self-indulgence. And last but not least, I'll just mention it was the downfall of one of the 12. 12 men handpicked after Jesus prayed all night. One of them, Judas Iscariot. He was keeper of the money bag. He was the treasurer for Jesus and the apostolic team. And he used to take for his own personal use without anybody knowing it. Well, God knew it. Jesus knew it. And so we need to be careful. So let me just give you a few practical things. Uh, Truths from the scriptures regarding the love of money. It's a root of all kinds of evil. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith, pierced themselves with many griefs. It can become a God in one's life. Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one, love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So it can become a God. The desire, uh, get this one, the desire is never satisfied. Never satisfied. One of the richest guys we know of in, in history, a guy named Solomon. I mean, he had it, boy. He's rich beyond your wildest dreams. And He writes basically his testimony, and God inspired it by his Holy Spirit. It's the book of Ecclesiastes. And one of the things he writes in there, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is whoever loves money never has money enough. Never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. I mean, you could be a billionaire, a billionaire, and you still, more. You want more. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. The desire is never, ever satisfied. It leaves you discontented. Leaves you discontented. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. Sometimes the greatest times of temptation is after we do get blessed financially. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So be content. It chokes spiritual fruit. It can choke spiritual fruit from your life. Parable of the seed and the sower. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. And it can keep somebody from being saved. Remember the story, Matthew 19, the rich young ruler. One gospel writer tells us he was rich. Another gospel writer tells us he was young. And another one tells us he was a ruler. And so we've dubbed him the rich young ruler. He comes to Jesus, good teacher. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, you know the commandments. He said, I've kept those since I was a boy. 
He says, well, there's one more thing you need. Sell your possessions, give to the poor, and then come and follow me. And you will have great riches in heaven. Now, God doesn't tell everybody to do that to be saved. Why did he tell the rich young ruler? Because money was his God. And he needed to repent and give up that God in order to follow the true God. And he couldn't be saved because he needed to repent of that before he would be saved. And it says, when he heard what Jesus said, he went away sad, sad, because he had great wealth. And then Jesus turns to his disciples, his disciples, and he says, I tell you the truth, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Let me read you one more. Didn't put this one on the PowerPoint. Luke, Luke chapter 12, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And then he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, be merry. Retire young. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Now, let me last few minutes give you some biblical counsel and what I call miscellaneous truths regarding uh, giving. One I've already said, honor the Lord with the first fruits of all your increase. And if you're not doing that, you're missing out. You're missing out on blessing, missing out on blessing. And you're not honoring the Lord. Give consistently from your leftovers. And if, if again, you don't have leftovers right now, you continue to honor the Lord with the, with the first fruits, Second Corinthians will come true. I put 1 Corinthians up there because that's the Apostle Paul giving instruction to the Corinthian church, and he did this in a lot of churches. He took up special offerings for the poor saints in Jerusalem. And the principle he lays down there, he says, here's my advice. Every Lord's Day, every Sunday, and that was the day the church would meet, set aside an amount in keeping with your income, in keeping with your income. And so what he's saying there is giving them a principle to give consistently. And this was over and above first fruits. This, these were special offerings for the poor saints in Jerusalem. And that's what our text is talking about, the leftovers. And again, if you don't have leftovers now, you keep honoring God with the first fruits. You will have leftovers one day. Give according to how God has blessed you. I love 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 12. Here's what it says. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. God estimates and, and values based on how much we keep, not on how much we give. Realize that everything we have is from God. Great text here. Got to take time. Look at these real quick. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy 8 and verse 10. When you've eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord for the good land he has given you. 
Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. We're so glad you joined us today on The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our listening audience. If you want to hear today's message again, please visit ccfstpete.church. You're also invited to join our Bible reading plan. Just look under the resources tab on our website for more information. This is a great way to dive into the Word. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to take a moment and ask you to partner with us here on The Living Word. Would you join us in praying for the listeners of this program? You never know how someone might be impacted by hearing about God and His Word over the radio. So please pray that anyone listening today would be open to hearing the gospel message. We ask that you pray for soft hearts and receptive minds to the grace that Jesus offers to everyone. Please pray also for us, that we'd continue seeking God's will for this program, and that we'd have the courage to follow Him wherever He leads. As you pray, please let us know if God would lead you to support The Living Word financially. If you'd like to give any amount to this ministry, visit our website at ccfstpete.church and click on the Give tab. Thanks for praying with and for us. With that, we've come to the end of our time with you today. We appreciate you tuning in. Pastor Danny will share more next time right here on The Living Word.